Welcome to Comic Culture. Your one-stop shop for discovering more about comic book characters, stories, and general analysis of these epic tales. So join us on this journey across mediums and multiverses to learn more about the amazing world of comics. I'm Trey. This is Jojo. And I'm Petey. Pete for our character spotlight of the week. Yep. So we're going to do a little bit of spotlights for all of these, all of these characters. So the first one I'm going to start out with is one of my favorite villains slash anti anti-heroes. If we believe in anti-heroes or not, that's a different discussion. Um, and his name is August Hart or better well-known as Godspeed. Um, so I'm going to take a few minutes to kind of talk a little bit about him. August Hart is a detective. He makes his first appearance in Flash issue number one of Flash Rebirth in 2016. And he is such a cool character. Uh, One of the reasons why he's so cool is because of his costume design, but also his origin is awesome. So he was a detective for CCPD, Central City Police Department, um, alongside with Barry Allen. Um, His origin is slightly different, though, in the sense that he... uh, uh, basically watched his brother get murdered and then knew who murdered him, but that guy got away with it. And so his idea was to uh, be in the justice, I guess, work with justice and try to be a detective to try to make sure that never happened again. But things slipped through his fingers as well. Uh, that all changed when he got struck by lightning as well. Uh, there was actually a speed force storm, which was a result of in DC rebirth. Uh, there was a moment when, uh, Wally West came back from being locked in the Speed Force. Um, and also, really quick, Joe and Tori, when I start going way too into depth, just kind of stop me and ask me questions because I'll, I'll just go. I don't want to go over anyone's head. I was just so, going to mute you when we were. When we were <laughs> but yeah, so Wally West comes back from being trapped in the Speed Force. As he did so, it created a Speed Force storm, so like an electrical storm, which caused a bunch of people to get superpowers and specifically super speed. Um, Godspeed was one of these people, and because he had suspected Barry Allen was a Flash, he went and kind of confessed what he, the powers he was given, and is his apprentice. Um, as this is happening, they work together for a few weeks. He's training him to be a sidekick, as well as training all these other kids who have been given powers. Um, but as they're doing this, they find out there's a villain who's going around and killing other speedsters and taking their speed away. Um, his name is Godspeed. So August is kind of playing the Emperor Palpatine, where he's pretending to be the sidekick, but is actually the main villain. Um, so he's saying, like, let's try to find Godspeed, figure out who he is. I'll help you with your with your CSI background and my detective background. We should be able to figure it out. Meanwhile, he's the one going and he's killing all these all these kids. Um, so I, just, gets- I do want to ask the question: At what point, after murdering many many children who were superheroes? <laughs> do you earn the moniker of anti-hero and when do you cross over to not being an anti-hero? We will, we will get into that. Um, How many children does it take? (laughs) Hey, again, back to Star Wars. Darth Vader can have a death out of penance after murdering younglings. This guy can do it too. I have not forgiven Darth Vader for whatever it's worth. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you're good. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so basically uh, he gets revealed as Godspeed a few issues later. Uh, Barry Allen, asked him why he did it and his thing was he felt like these people were wasting their powers so he figured if i can kill these people kill their these speedsters and take their speed and use it to be a better hero quote unquote then it's worth it to me which is a pretty twisted way but you know whatever um so he kills all these people barry and then uh wallace are able to defeat him 
the coolest thing about these first nine issues of it is that this is the like kickstart to DC Rebirth is Flash. And so you have this new character, new villain, amazing design. Um, he's all white with gold, which is pretty cool for a villain. And his name's Godspeed. So there's a lot of irony in that too, of this idea of um, a Godspeed character with godlike powers, but really being a huge villain. So it's kind of a, a shows a big contrast there. That's um, actually a great point. I never, I never thought about the universe. yeah, because he's and, never. There's never this idea that like that white speedster is actually a good guy, right? Like, no, he. You, the first time you see him, he's murdering people. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, no, but yeah, like any good antihero, <laughs> we'll get to it. But so nine issues in, um, basically, he gets put in jail, Iron Heights, and you don't see him for quite a while. Um, and but he became a huge fan favorite. So one of the things I want to talk about that is interesting. It, anytime a character is able to cross mediums from comics into something else, that's usually when it's like, okay, this character is solidified in fandom. Um, and within a, I think it was a year and a half of being created, he made it to the CW Flash show. Um, his appearance in it was awful, but he made it, which is like the fact that he was even in the show after only being, su- being such a young character. I, yeah, mean, I didn't realize he was that new. Yeah, like you look at some of these characters, like have we seen Batgirl besides Michelle Pfeiffer in the past 30 years? Like, no. So she's been around since the 60s and she hasn't been around. And yet this character was around after a year and was was put into uh, the Flash series. So have you seen anything on the Flash? The show? Uh, like an episode here. And okay. there. So basically yeah. what they do with Godspeed, who I do have a couple of questions for you, Pete. They basically do you remember the Mandarin from Iron Man <laughs> 2 where you think he's the big bad, big bad guy? And then at the end, it turns out he's just a drugged old man, basically. That's pretty much what they do with Godspeed. Yep. I don't even, he wasn't even a speed, was he even a speedster? He was, he was still a speedster. Oh, he just was bad. And I think he makes other appearances, but I fell off the flash way before he came back. I don't, yeah, maybe recently, but I don't remember them. And I stopped at season five. So I have a question for you. You talked about the design. I think the uniform is six, probably one of the best designs. But I think the, the key to his success is his name. I think that is one of the best names. If he had looked exactly like he was, everything had been the same, and his name had been, like, the blur, I don't I think <laughs> he would have died, and we would have never heard from him again. He'd still be yeah. in Iron Man's today. Yeah, I think the name Godspeed is, it's all within that name of the idea of, it's like, you hear that title, and it's always, like, a title of endearment for telling people to go, like, like uh, <laughs> go get him, basically. Like, so Godspeed sick. to you. And now you have this villain whose name is Godspeed, and he's just awesome so again i like the irony i like the fact that he um has these powers the other thing about him if you look on the we're going to post this on our instagram his his power set is interesting i was trying to figure out the best word for one of his powers that we haven't seen the flash do yet um the best word i could come up for it was speed cloning um he can go so fast that he can technically be in two places at the same time is he creating Um, doubles or is he yeah, and you see the Flash do it in like alternate time universes, but he's literally there's a there's a couple panels where he's fighting the Flash two v one because it's sick. two Godspeeds versing Flash. That's so sick. And it's the same person, but he's it's not like a copy of himself. It's literally him being in two places at once. And, and what was his so name fast. when he was a sidekick to Barry? I, he doesn't have one. He was like, oh, oh, I'm still trying one? to figure it out. As far as I know, I could be wrong on that, but I looked for oh, it. Oh no, find one. That- that leads into his big reveal where he yells his name, right? That panel yeah. that we see all the time. Like, I am Godspeed, yeah. That's sick. 
So anyways, really quick, I'll go into what he's done since then again, kind of anti-hero. He ends up uh, joining the rogues in the prison, um, and they try to come up with a plan to defeat the Flash. Um, but he betrays the rogues to the Flash, and the Flash like comes clean to him and tells him what their plan was. Um, and so that's one of the things he's doing. He has this kind of redeeming arc through the rest of uh, the rest of the series. Um, at that point in time, one of my favorite things is he says, Captain Cold comes to him and is like, hey, how can you put yourself in, like, by doing this, you're putting yourself up there with, like, like with Barry Allen and these other speedsters by being so, so, like, well-hearted and, like, does it in an insulting tone. And Godspeed says, well, I guess that puts me in pretty good company, doesn't it? And so it's like, he has that moment. And then later on, there's another villain. We won't go too deep into it because we're getting pretty close to what's happened since then. Um, and I don't want to spoil the big ending for his arc. But basically, uh, there's a big villain, Paradox, who it has the ability to control time um and godspeed works again with the flash to fight him so and re- reverse flash and then that's kind of where things take off from there uh we won't get too deep into it unless we want me to spoil what happens to him at the end of rebirth but no, I, think, I think personally i'm going to read it and i think all of our listeners okay are going to read it oh yeah wow look at that wait no wait, real, real quick what has he been animated has he been on any, any nope animated? nothing animated so, so straight to the cw yep and, and nothing straight animated. back to the comic book interesting yep so we'll see what happens with him from here on out. As you were explaining that, I know this is like so far left, but just as you were explaining his character and the irony in that, it reminded me of, because I think that a lot of these characters are based on people in real life, right? And so yeah. this is a little extreme, but honestly, like what I thought of was just like, this guy almost sounds like James Jones, right? Like Mr. Kool-Aid Man. Yeah. Jones in the People's Temple where you know, in the name of like a religious purpose or in the name of trying to help other people, you just take it so far that you end up just like absolutely being, you become a paradox, right? Yeah. You become this, the very thing that is just like you were trying to prevent, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's kind of just what came to my mind. And like, just thinking that, making that connection, I was just like, maybe I'll, I was just like, I want to read up on Godspeed and kind of dive into his character a little bit. So that's our goal. We're not trying to convince anybody else. Just the third guy on our podcast. <laughs> but I will say, and I, I've been joking about his anti-hero thing. I think one of the traits of one, I had a joke lined up that was the secret to, you know, a, a redemption arc is actually just sell a lot of comic books because otherwise yeah, yeah. we wouldn't have gotten that arc. But yeah. the reality is, is a, a very important component, I think, is an anti-hero typically just struggles with that means to an end thing. And typically... Yeah. They're going to do bad things, but the end goal is ultimately like a better world. Right? And, and you get like, you could argue like Thanos has that mindset and that's what you can go on I, about. I don't really think he's an anti-hero, but I think that's probably why Godspeed falls into that category. He's ultimately saying these guys are wasting their time, their powers. I could do better. Give me your powers. I mean, like probably wouldn't be as mad at him if he could just steal their power without killing them. Yeah. Just like a, like a, how he went about it kind of thing. Yeah, and really quick off of that too, that I think is really interesting. I think in modern comics, I think the idea of an anti-hero is kind of stupid because we're moving more and more towards this idea of not hero villain where there's a lot of gray area in between. And so like even like Lex Luthor has been doing a lot of good things supposedly lately, like in Deceased, he's helping out the world. And so, and you have like in Deceased Unkillables, you have these characters coming together who are villains trying to save a bunch of children. So just like, there's a lot of these examples that I could go over of villains taking on heroic roles and Let's, they're do still going. Let's do that next week. Okay. Even anyway. the Kingpin. I think the Kingpin's a great one too in the current Daredevil run. 
Yep. Like, is New York better off with him as the mayor? It probably is. Yeah. So we, we'll, we'll talk about that next week. Another rabbit hole to go down. <laughs> we got a lot of rabbit holes to go down. All right. Uh, what is next? All right. So we got Jupiter's Legacy, which for those of you who are listening, hopefully we publish this sometime before the show comes out. But if we don't, Jupiter's Legacy is an independent comic published by Image Comics uh, by, I believe, Mark Millar. And it's got a very interesting art style. It was written as a two-part series, and then they went back and wrote a prequel series. So the there's four volumes. Volumes one and two are have a distinctly different art style and, and serve as a prequel to three and four. And what's interesting is your main characters being the Utopian and a couple of other, I forget her name, Lady Liberty, I think. It's a very, yeah, very, it's like, Lady Liber- it's Lady very Liberty. obvious analog to Wonder Woman. You know, they, they got their powers somehow and they've been serving America for a hundred years. So the prequel goes into not necessarily how they got them, but kind of their adventures through different times. So if you like Superman, if you like Wonder Woman, if you like period pieces, um, fitting in like fictional things into the scope of like real events, like a Nixon Watergate type thing, or Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter was like a really like a similar style to this, um, then one and two are definitely interesting. Yeah, so I think if you're if you're a history buff or like even a conspiracy theorist, like this is this is fun. Like the, I enjoyed it because they went into the whole uh, J. Edgar Hoover conspiracy, which I thought was awesome. And like, yeah, the, was irony, the irony in that um, <laughs> as well as uh, as Rockefeller. Right. And it's, it, it is fun. I think it's awesome. Like Marvel, obviously, like is it in our world? Right. There's different dimensions and stuff. But this. I think uh, suits more history buffs and like me, and I enjoy that. But one thing I wanted to say is like, so people may be wondering. Um, so oh, why yes, we- Joe has read the first first volumes yeah. of this. We got him to read those comics in case people were wondering. He's he, yes. he's read them. There <laughs> <laughs> you go. But I was just like, because DC and Marvel, obviously, and Marvel as of right now is probably just like top tier, right? Yeah. So it's like, why are we talking about like this independent comic? right series and i was just like well who is this guy who's mark millar and i was blown away by this guy's uh resume so i don't know if you guys knew but he's the one that's written kingsman which has turned oh. into an awesome live show wait did he, kingsman start as a graphic novel it did yeah and he oh. so he, wrote it. he actually wrote the civil war series for marvel so oh wow i knew that arguably the best comic comic <laughs> series under under marvel um, he did Wanted, which was loosely based on the the they they took that novel and 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 uh, made it into movie with Angeline Jolie. Um, he did the the movie Kick Butt. I won't. Say. <laughs> <laughs> but That's actually part of a much that? bigger series, I think. We'll What's just that? say it just for I'll say it for just for clarification purposes. If my wife is listening. The series called Kick-Ass, I believe, yeah. is a bigger part of a lot. I think there's, like, things that come after it. Like, those heroes have, like, like I think there's continuity there. Yeah. That's crazy. I didn't look into his resume, so that's I'm, that's there, really cool. Well, Andy works for DC, and I know nothing of this, but maybe you do, Peterson. He did Superman uh, Red Sun. Oh, wow. That makes a lot more sense. It just came yeah. out. The movie just came out. Well, yeah, the book is the book is amazing. Um, that's interesting that he did that. Knowing knowing about Jupiter's legacy, it makes total sense that he would have written a Red Sun because it's a it's an Elseworld story that's pretty pretty dark. So like another period piece, right? 
Well, yeah. So I can go back and just, it's basically what would have happened if Superman, instead of falling in Smallville, Canvas, sorry, Kansas, oh. if he went to the Soviet Union. Right. Yeah. 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 How yeah, was the movie? Was it, was it worth a watch? Uh, I actually haven't watched the movie, to be honest. Sometimes I, I've, I shy away from some of them. If they're like good pieces like that, I get scared. So I'd rather just avoid them. Fair enough. But so yeah. This guy's, this guy's rap sheet is like that was unbelievable. That's so sweet. I'm glad you said that. For those, yeah. For those that are just like, eh, I don't know. I don't really like if you're not even into DC or Marvel, I could totally understand why you wouldn't want to check out this kind of independent comic book. But I mean, this guy, not only has he made great, great books like he's been able to transfer them over into some cinematic masterpieces so that's that is, awesome and, and it's published by image comics who's published a lot of the premier independent comics not even mentioning invincible which is kind of relevant right now but like you go back and you go spawn and all of yeah. Todd McFarlane's characters I mean I believe most of those are published if not all of them by image comics yeah and I think one of the things that I would say too um I'm a purist like if it's not Marvel or DC I would not touch it think about the freedom these writers have compared to the writers that are writing for Marvel and DC. Like if you're writing for Marvel or DC, like one of like Batman or Captain America or Spider-Man, you're writing with one hand behind your back. Cause you've got corporate breathing down your neck, telling you what you can and can't do. But and, like, with, no, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. With Jupiter's legacy, you've got these characters who it's like, Oh, they're writing a Superman story. They just can't use his name. It's like they <laughs> use these ideas of like all the things that they want to do with these characters and they write them with a different name, basically, so they can tell their stories the way they want to tell them. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm not some kind of like analytical genius. I got, the, I came to that epiphany after reading. I think it was in series two of in, Invincible, where basically Invincible. We're going to go into this in a second, but it's about a kid who gets superpowers, and he loves comic books, and he goes and he always goes and meets his comic book hero, has him sign every the the author, has him sign all of his comics, and he always asks him questions and the author of these fictional comic books serves as like the voice of the author of Invincible saying like, he's like, don't you ever wish you worked for one of those big companies? And that's where he kind of goes on little rants in the panels of, no, I don't want to work for the big companies. I can't do anything creative with my characters and, and all those things. So, which is a very, very interesting concept. And it makes sense. I mean, Spider-Man, I mean, even if you just look at something as non-controversial as death, these characters don't ever even die, let alone have anything bad actually happen to them, if that makes sense. I mean, some horrible things happen to Invincible that would never happen in a mainstream comic. And it and it's, lets you talk about broader issues. So we don't even have to get into Invincible to talk about that. There's plenty of those things yeah. in Jupiter's legacy. And just the first, I think like the opening panel. So one of the one of the things is it's set in the 50s. I believe it opens in the 50s. And yep. one of the main characters is a by night he's a superhero called the blue bolt by day he's like a premier neonatal surgeon in los angeles and he's also gay and closeted and one of the main points of the first volume is someone oh i guess we're just gonna do a synopsis here spoiler alert uh j edgar hoover is actually blackmailing blue bolt with photos of him with other men saying tell us who the rest of the super team is or I'll publish these photos. And it was so taboo in the fifties to be homosexual that, you know, he's faced with this kind of existential crisis of, do I, have to, do I basically tell the team, tell them who the team is and compromise their safety? Or do I basically sacrifice my, my image, my career, everything else. And it, let's just put it this way. That's never going to happen in DC. Probably not to, not to a main character, maybe yeah. a side character. 
Yeah, I think one of the things that I really enjoy about Jupiter's Legacy, those first two issues, one, being someone who's read a lot of older comics, especially older Superman comics, the art style fits it perfectly. It's a very, very like beautiful adaptation of old art where it's like their superhero symbols are really simplified. Even their their bodies are very simplified with the art. You don't get like now where it's like, how many lines can I fit on this guy's bicep? <laughs> it's like, oh, they're just like they're in good shape, but like there's nothing crazy going on which I just, I appreciate the art, but then on the other hand, it's like, you have these stories that seem like they should be bright and lighthearted, like the old Superman stories are, but they're not. You have these dark tales of like uh, a gay guy being closeted and can't come out. And then you've got other dark heroes who, I don't know the guy's name. I can't remember the, he's like a speed flyer or something. Oh, uh, oh. I don't remember. What like is Flair. it? I think it's Flair or Flair. something. Yeah. 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 I think his last name's like Fitz or something. Yeah. Something. Yeah. Fitz. And he's like cheating on his wife. And you're just like, man, this guy's not a good guy. Like you've got like a lot of these more human characters and it's, it's definitely darker. It's got a darker tone. Uh, but again, it's kind of, it's interesting to see that done to uh, analogs of these characters that we're so used to being so heroic. Yeah. I think because I, I have really nothing to compare it to, but to, what I really enjoyed about it was just how raw I was right like it was just like I think a lot of comics and in the golden age and the silver age it was kind of just like a fantasy um pull yourself out of out of real life and just envelop yourself in this fantasy world whereas now I think and not just with with uh Jupiter's Legacy but all of these other other comics it's how can you enhance reality right you're just basically juicing what's going on in the real world with with characters and stuff that are very, very much relatable. They're just, obviously they have these powers that aren't realistic. That's and a so super I, good point, yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And so I always I comp- Jupiter's legacy, it was just like, you you kind of go into it thinking, oh, it's a super team and they all get along and it's just kind of like this, yeah, fairy tale world. And then it's just like, no, it dives deep into each character and what they struggle with and what they, their flaws, right? And in a really humanizing way, I mean, even the flair, I mean, we're all married, but even the flair, he didn't just, you know, like he had an affair, but it, it was something that if, if superheroes were real, he would have young women or, you know, anybody attracted, he was attractive, he was a superhero, he would have a lot of romantic interest. And these people don't know that he's married, right? Because he has a secret identity. So he'd have a lot of people who were romantically interested in him. That's a totally understandable thing. And then what happens? I don't know if you're that far, Pete. But, you know, he gets injured and guess where his 21 year old fling goes? She goes out the door. So it's yeah, I've read that. And then his family's there for him. So it's like, I mean, it's it's a good book. It really is. Like I I read the first three volumes in one night and I finished the next one in the the morning. Um, I loved it. I thought I I really liked and I wanted to get your uh, thoughts on this, Peterson. But I'm sure you can catch hints of the utopian whenever they talk about his, his wife will go on like monologues, right? About how perfect he is, how great it is, how he takes her out to eat every night. And it's like in France. Yeah. And she, she uses the word perfect over and over and over. And I don't know if this will come as a surprise to you, but essentially his arc ends with her leaving him yep. because she can't handle how perfect he is, which I, I gotta admit, that's one of my biggest issues with Superman. So it's like to see this annoyingly perfect man ultimately lose what he cares about the most because he doesn't have any flaws is 
I don't know. Maybe it's just me, a flawed man, wanting to see someone better than me dragged down. But it's <laughs> it's understandable, I guess. Yeah. What I'm trying to say. And so I'll confess, like everyone, before we recorded, I was saying I haven't quite finished volume two of this. But with that, with you saying that, that's exactly where I figured this was going. And I'm not trying to be like, oh, I predicted it. But I mean, it was just so easy because you hear her talking about like with her. It's I think it's Lady Liberty. She he's, she's talking to. And she's like, oh, you're not tied down, though. You can go be with whatever man you want to be with. You can go do this and this and this. And the next panel, she's eating dinner in France with her husband. And you're like, why are you comp- like, why are you living vicariously through this, this single woman? Is that and what so the vibe like, you got? I, I didn't. I thought she was yeah. trying to cheer her up. I didn't really see it well, as jealousy. But the thing is, is, it's like, sorry, really quick, is like, if you compare that to Superman and Lois Lane, the biggest difference is Lois is just as like amazing as Superman is. And I think that's a, an interesting conversation that we could have for later. When I think for me, the biggest like telltale was when she said, it's almost as if Lady, Lady Liberty, it's almost as if every guy that's with her already knows deep down inside that they're not good enough for them. Yeah. And to me, I'm just like, you say, you don't just see that. That's you interesting. I'm thinking about that. Say it because you're living it. Right. And that's exactly what ended up happening is that she couldn't feel at all flawed. And I thought what was beautiful about it was the fact that she even she even uh, talks about how them separating like he was such a gentleman about it like mm-hmm. there was almost like no emotion behind it to show any any kind of flaw and I you you can relate to that right like that would be extremely frustrating that would be so frustrating I you would just constantly feel like the the slacker in your own marriage, right? Yeah, like, yeah. She said she woke up and every single thing that needed done around the house had already been done. It was just yeah. like, not that, I mean, I wouldn't complain about that part specifically. <laughs> yeah, that sounds great to me. It was like all of it combined, you know. <laughs> but I'm sure over time, yeah. Over, yeah, you'd be annoyed. Over time, it would just absolutely destroy you. But even, Eventually. she closes, he even offers to carry your bags to the street. And I think she says, she's like, no, I got it. It's nice to struggle sometimes. Yeah. And I was just like, that's, that's interesting. I mean, that's a very, you could have a very long existential conversation about that. That's for sure. Uh, any other thoughts on the utopian? No, I think we're, so we're, I think we're, we're for everyone else, we're talking about doing these two issues now and then breaking into the other ones, maybe next week. I think we've, we've left off at a good, a good point to be able to, to move on to the next section. What do you guys I think? I want to get your thoughts really quick because you did talk yeah. about the art style. Did you, have you looked at, volume three like i know web started i haven't you told me it's very different and gritty but extremely different and very very cool if you've ever seen i'm not positive about this but if you've ever seen panels from the boys it kind of reminds me of it's like really really gritty and that's not even to mention like how it's not that graphic like there's blood but it's it's intense invincible basically opens with a high school kid named mark grayson whose dad is known as omni man which is a I don't know if it Superman. could be a more obvious parallel to Superman. <clears throat> I mean, it's even awesome enough that they basically, somebody walks up to him and he's like, basically like, oh, like, don't you get your powers from the sun? And Omni-Man goes, no, common mistake. I get that a lot. And so literally like breaking the fourth wall, you know, he's Superman. We know he's Superman and Mark doesn't have his powers yet. And, you know, there's kind of the opening shtick is, well, you'll get it soon. Even the latest. Of basically movies, sky high. <laughs> yeah it's like sky high on a budget like a better like a bigger budget yeah um also very excited that they animated it i when i first heard of jupiter's legacy as a netflix show i thought it was going to be animated and i mean i like a lot of the actors they've cast but i've come to actually appreciate animation because you can fully render the comic like there's animes that go like panel for panel shot for shot which you just you don't get that 
in, yeah. a, in a live action. Um, but <clears throat> so essentially he gets his powers. He starts training with his dad. And then there's this kind of his, you know, his dad sits him down. And he says, I'm here from another planet. I'm here to protect the earth on an assignment, blah, blah, blah. Superman, Superman, Superman. And um, pretty quickly. Spoiler. The tra- <laughs> yeah, minor spoiler. <laughs> but if you've seen the trailer or you go to watch the trailer, um, is that really why his dad's here? And that's a really interesting conversation because I'll just say this. His dad is thousands of years old, right? <clears throat> and whenever he and his son disagree about something, there's just this idea of like what, you know, and there's even this panel that I love where his dad says, you know, what makes you think you know better than I do? I'm thousands of years old. I'm like an elite military, whatever, high up from my society. Um, you're kind of naive. You're 17 years old. So very interesting family dynamics. Super excited. The show drops, I think, two weeks from tomorrow. And they're going to do like a full drop. I think every episode comes out on the 26th. So I know what I will be doing. Um Hopefully you guys check it out too. Yeah, it's so invincible. Again, I, I again back to my idea of any comics and being a purist. I wasn't. This is the first time I read that. Torres like you should check it out. It's like all right, I'll give it a chance. Um, I really enjoy it. I think one of the coolest things about it is that I'll just say the twist since you we've hinted at it and within and it's not a huge spoiler because it's not super deep into the issues. It's probably on. It's within the first five ten issues yeah. and it's that omniman is actually he's there to infiltrate earth from another another planet and he's it's like the long game right so anyone who knows like blue beetle it's like the reach idea where it's like no we could be here for 100 200 years but we're going to conquer it eventually so he plays the role of hero because he's saying all these monsters are coming try conquering it that's my job so like i'm saving them and he takes on this role as a superhero kind of naturally um but then after that, throughout the first volume, we also see him like he's not a straight villain again. He's kind of got some good things, bad things going on for him. So it's like you think he's a good dad, then you think he's a villain. And then throughout the rest, it's like, well, I don't really know where I stand with him with what he's doing. Like he clearly cares for Mark and he cl- he wants to help him understand kind of his his side of things. So it's it's interesting. I think what's cool is he's also trying to figure out, like, am I a villain? Am I a monster? what's right you know like thousands of years of training of one mindset of a really of a militaristic mindset and then this 17 year old has a heart to heart with him and he's like maybe i'm wrong (laughs) i mean that takes a lot of humility i have to say by the end of it i really like omni-man so it's basically superman and lois lane or and lois the new cw show (laughs) well that was (laughs) That was what we were talking about. Actually, that was a really good moment. We were talking about Jupiter's legacy. And I said, it's basically, if if Captain, (laughs) this is not a spoiler either. If you know anything about the premise of Jupiter's legacy, oh, well, if Superman and Wonder Woman get married and have kids, isn't that that just um, Lois and what is it? Superman Superman and Lois, Lois, this one. And I said, well, maybe if their 12 year olds grow up drug addicted (laughs) and in therapy, but I didn't get that vibe from the CW trailer. So, yeah, no, no. But this is, I mean, I agree with you. If not, if there was no big twist, this would probably be a pretty boring show. So looking back, I tend to dive in deep. If I find something I like, I start Googling it, which is horrible if you want to avoid spoilers because of that little like Google suggestion thing. I can't tell you how many things I've had spoiled. It's like, like I Google. This has been Tori's problem since like, as long as I've known him, (laughs) but his problem is he doesn't know how to keep it to himself. So he'd be like, oh man, I'm so mad about this. No, that's not true. Roommates we can say, and he came into my room 
and said, man, I looked up something today and man, you're gonna be so mad when you hear about it. And then proceeded to tell me the whole story. And I was like, thank I, wait, you. I did this? Yes, you did. <laughs> because hold on, hold on. Because I worked it was, it was so Spider-Man. hard to not tell you that Omni-Man was bad. Like I literally- No, 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 like, no, you've been better. But when we first met, I still remember it was a Spider-Man. It was his appearance in Civil War. And I didn't know about it. And I was trying to not know about it. And you showed me like the like the picture of the still of him on top of the bus holding Captain America's shield. But this happened? I mean, it sounds completely <laughs> real. I just, it's funny that I have no recollection of it whatsoever. Well, yeah, I'm, I still hold a grudge against it for you. So don't worry. Really? Wow. <laughs> I didn't even know I had a problem. See, this is good. This is good. This is cheaper than therapy. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, I am working on that. And my biggest problem, again, is that Google suggestion box. So. If you, I know DuckDuckGo sucks as an app, but it is secure <laughs> and it doesn't have that feature. The next thing we've got, and let me know how we're doing on time, Pete. I know we're a little bit behind, but we've got a kind of a breakdown of season one, specifically the ending of WandaVision. I, I'm, I'm still kind of like at a loss for words. And I think it really comes down to the fact that it didn't meet my expectations, but it was 100% necessary, and I know exactly why why they did what they did. You know, well, I, I for one, Marvel, and we, we mentioned this before with um, Omni-Man, where it's like the long game, right? They're, they're very much long-term vision, don't want to just give you a thriller just to give you a thriller. And that's been them since the beginning with Iron Man. And so with WandaVision, like, I was expecting at the very least, at the very least, uh, Mephisto to, to appear, right? And that didn't happen. Um, it was just uh, Agatha um, Harkness. All along. Yeah, <laughs> which is a little disappointing. Um, and I, like I said, I'm not the one that reads comics, but I, I knew her background. So it was kind of like, really, this is gonna be- Oh, you, you had already heard of her? Was that like WandaVision research? Yeah, like, I think yeah, most people who have, if you listen to any podcast on it, I feel like people knew by the second episode that Agnes is going to be Agatha. Yeah, because like it was pretty hard Agnes predicted. It's literally like Agatha Harkness like, yeah. planned together, right? So it was like a very, very like easy giveaway, right? But yeah, I thought there would be more. Um, but saying that, I mean, there's a lot to pack in it, um, especially even if you know if you know the comics, right? The the fact that they introduced Darkhold, the fact that they, she talked about, um, I mean, we know that Doctor Strange already exists, but the fact that she talks about Doctor Strange and how Wanda is actually more powerful than him. Um, that was interesting. Yeah, yeah, and then Mephisto, and then there was um, a connection, now I can't remember what the connection was, but with uh, the Fantastic Four. Yeah, so Agatha's the, the nanny of the Fantastic Four kids of Franklin Richards, actually. Right. Yes, yes, yes. Exactly. Oh, for so, real? Yeah. That's her yeah. first intro to Marvel, actually. So there is there is a lot to kind of look forward to. And I actually saw the other day the um, director, I can't remember his name now, um, but the director said, he, he basically said what I just said. He's just like, yeah, a lot of people are probably going to be disappointed because they're expecting more. He's just like, but this is Marvel. It's coming, right? Yeah. So he, he threw it out there, basically saying that all of our hunches and all of what we anticipated is eventually going to come. It, it is just that, that long game that they're, they're going with. Wasn't it funny? I think I, I could be wrong. I didn't do a lot of research into WandaVision. I had, I had pretty low expectations. I liked both actors. I thought both characters are interesting. I thought 
thought this is going to be kind of the, the stable Marvel show that maybe gives you a little more here and there. But I think my expectation went like this. Low expectations. Oh, this is going to blow yep. it all up. This is going to introduce mutants. This is going to change everything. And it's like, no, actually, she's just really sad about her two kids that she met yesterday. And we're going to, like, it's just going to end. Which, yeah. I don't mean to downplay, it was a really, really good show. But as far as, like, the introduction of mutants, I had a funny thing with my wife. My wife does not follow this stuff. She enjoys the shows. But she doesn't, like, know any background information. When, when episode eight, when Agatha goes, you're a scarlet witch. Like, I literally, I thought she was going to say mutant up until, like, the word scarlet. <laughs> and then when she says scarlet witch, I, like, I, like, looked around. I was like, why is that a big deal? Like, have we not been calling her the scarlet witch for, like, what, five years? My wife is like, I've never heard the word scarlet witch. Yeah, they never say scarlet witch before that, which I think is interesting. Because <laughs> those who know just assume. Did you know but, that? Did you realize? Like, did you know that they hadn't said scarlet witch up until that point? I didn't until I heard somebody mention it. I was like, oh, yeah, they're right. We've only heard her called Wanda. Like, we've never well, heard her. It's because of the Fox rights. They have yeah, the exactly. So Mutant, Scarlet Witch, Quicksilver, Magneto, like any any of the characters that were under Fox's realm could not be used at all. Well, like, and I knew know. I knew that like concept. For some reason, I just like thought the term Scarlet yeah. Witch had was like exempt, or I I don't even know if I thought they'd said Quicksilver. I just <laughs> I was like I mean, and that's a cool moment then to basically be like. That combined with bringing in, um, I forget his name, the kid who played Quicksilver in um, Evan Peters, I think it's his name. Evan Peters, yeah. Like, those are both really cool moments to, like, announce to the world that you're combining again, which is a huge deal for a lot of reasons. But, yeah, I think ultimately, at some point, my expectations got too high, and I thought she was going to alter the universe in, like, big ways, like House of M style. Once I had accepted, like, okay, it's not as big as it's got, as we all thought it was going to be. Like Mephisto didn't show up. At the very least, I was oh, expecting yeah. Doctor Strange didn't show up. So once I got over that and rewent and watched the last episode, I was like, okay, what they did is they opened it up. So like, yes, all this stuff is in the universe, but we still want to tie this off with a nice little bow. And so like they tie off the series with a nice little bow. There's some really great moments. And once I was able to like get past all the fan theories and just like enjoy the show again, um because i've seen every episode two or three times now honestly not on purpose but because it was like oh my mother-in-law wants to watch it oh now my wife (laughs) wants to watch it and so it's like i've seen everything quite a few times now just naturally and it's like there's a lot of really great moments and i think it's just we all expected something so big well you mentioned it's like we didn't expect anything then we expected everything and (laughs) it kind of met in the middle and we're like oh but where's like Where's Galactus? Like, I want to see everything. (laughs) Galactus world eater. Like, what? Looking back, and if you ask, like, the general public or even, like, super nerds, um, what Marvel movie have you disliked the most? And without question, you'll at least hear uh, Thor the Dark uh, Dark World. What is it? I think that's it. Yeah, Dark World. So there you go. I can't remember the title. Uh, Is one of the worst movies. But... If you go back and watch The Dark World, not as a Thor movie, but as a Loki movie, you'll actually appreciate it. Because without Dark World, you can't have Loki in Thor Ragnarok, which was awesome. You can't have Loki in his new show that's coming up because you don't have his his character fleshed out. And there's no way you would have been able to flesh out his character just in the first Thor and in Avengers. Like, Wait, does this- he even show up in the first Thor? Loki? Yeah. Yeah, he's the main villain. Yeah, remember he's the blue child? Yeah. He's the blue child, but the the main 
Is he the one that sends the giant Power Ranger robot to the Earth? Yeah, he's still the main bad guy. Like, is he? Whoa. I mean, I don't know he's in there. He's, he's the main bad guy in Avengers, too. I may have to watch the first story. I mean, I it has been a while. But, yeah, just going back to that. And I think it's the same concept. Because House of M is, like, not only... The art itself is amazing. The way that um, she makes people kind of, like, vanish. Yeah. And um, her dimension. The art is, like, so well done. But the, the whole story behind it, like, you just, like, love Wanda. Like, and you feel for her. And similar to Loki, you didn't, you didn't get that with, with uh, Wanda in any of the movies. In, in yeah. Age of Ultron, like, she's introduced and it's just like, okay, yeah, she's bad and turns good. And then in Civil War, like, it, there's just so many different characters that, that you don't get the opportunity to flesh out the, that specific character to the point where you actually care about them right and so with this one it's just like you see that good people can do bad things and bad people can do good things right and it just kind of going back to talking about the anti-hero and things like that it's it kind of just and Agnes even calls her out she's just like superheroes don't you know do this yeah do this and it just kind of makes you realize like given the circumstances and given the situation, which Monica Rambeau even admitted, she's just like, I think I would have done the same thing. I think I would have tried to bring my mom back given the chance and hours. Yeah, I like that part. Right? And so that just humanizes, humanizes her so much and you connect to her in such a deeper level. And I think being able to prolong that and take it across, uh, whether it be um, the Multiverse of Madness with Doctor Strange or any other series that she'll be in, there's now this show that anchored her character so that you can develop kind of those emotions for her. Like Loki for me, because like before I was, Loki I think is one of my favorite characters in the movies, so. Interesting. Yeah, I think off of that, it's interesting. Like I'm a good example of this because I could not have cared less about Wanda before this show. Like I went into watching WandaVision. I was like, well, I have to, like it's a, it's a Marvel movie, you know, like I've watched all of them. I'm a Marvel fan. So I have to watch even the ones I don't like. Like, I'll never watch Captain Marvel again because I don't like the movie. But like, yeah. that's another story. Like WandaVision for me, I was like, I'll watch it, whatever. And then like episode one, I was like, all right, this is getting there. And then episode two, and then like slowly and surely, there's like, there's this love that develops for these characters. Like, I always thought Paul Bettany did a really good job as Vision. I liked him, but I didn't care about him. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And I think this show does such a good job of, um, really understanding their their source content with house of m being a huge influence i think and then taking it to the next level and always doing like the marvel twist in the mcu which i think overall i mean i think it's a really great movie a great show i should guess we should say and again going back to that point with the movie and the show this is the first first of its kind in the mcu like yeah and it is completely different from any mcu movie we have one of the biggest things is they didn't kill agatha which is great because we actually like a recurring villain in the MCU, which is a huge issue in the MCU, in my opinion. Um, we're going to see Agatha again, which is like great. And we're going to see her take on that kind of Loki role where it's more of like, she's going to come back and probably help fight Mephisto at some point or one of these other dark Lords. So I think there's still a lot of things like we've talked about where it's going to be opened up, but for now it's like, it's there, but we wanted to close it off and make you love these characters. Um, if you look at it structurally, I mean, you take, Wanda and Vision and let's just give them let's just say they're on screen every minute during the show and you give them what there's nine episodes at 40 minutes each you just gave them like four and a half hours of screen time whereas yeah. 
I mean, you that's pretty much on par with like Captain America or Iron Man at this point, as far as time with the characters, which is ultimately a prerequisite to caring about them. I don't care about Bucky Barnes. I'll be honest with you. I probably will after Winter, so- Winter Soldier and Falcon or whatever. But I will say, I will say a couple of things. I, my expectations are actually somewhat lower for Winter Soldier now after this show, which I think is weird. And I don't even know why. I just feel like the scope can't be as big. Even if like if Wanda for all of her mystic powers didn't really change the Marvel universe that much, then I'm not sure how Falcon and Winter Soldier are going to do it. But I I, I would love to be wrong about that. I think, I I think I'll probably end up liking it because I think it's going to be in that vein of um, Winter Soldier, Captain America 2, which is a top three Marvel movie, I think by most standards. Um, I think, can I jump in really quick? Yeah. Yeah. So one thing I think is interesting too, I think people's expectations were so high because of the crappy world we've lived in in the past year. And the fact that there's been no entertainment (laughs) So then, like for all of, all of us geeks, it's like, well, Mandalorian came out season two and blew open the the roof for a lot of like the, a lot of star Wars fans with like Luke's return, which we can go over later. Fans were blowing up about it. And then so then WandaVision comes and like, oh, I bet it's going to be the same idea. Like they're going to blow up everything. Like we're everyone was just expecting these things. And it's like what single Marvel movie focused on one character has done something that big? Like at the most we get was Guardians of the Galaxy when they mentioned Thanos. And he's not even like a character. The only time you see him is when Ronan goes and sees him. And like that's all you get of him. That's at the end of uh, Avengers 1, right? Well, you see him in Avengers 1 and then you see him again in Guardians. Oh, okay. Um, with actually voiced by someone different at that time yep so again it's like i don't know why everyone including myself we thought for some reason wandavision was going to be like an avengers avengers level (laughs) reveal where we get these crazy things it's like why can't we just be happy with wanda and vision getting a sitcom like what you get and like it yeah well and the something i didn't realize but pre-covid wandavision on the panel was actually set to come out after uh, Doctor Strange. Hmm. So they obviously had to change some things up, and it's pretty interesting that they pulled that to be when it was kind of like the book end. It's now the beginning. Wait, so, after Multiverse of Madness? Yeah. So I'll have to look it up exactly, but it was supposed to come out the end of this year. So whatever they originally had. So it's supposed to be like Black Widow. Uh, can't remember what else um can't remember what other movies oh, uh, internals eternals oh, yeah. yeah internals um i think i can't remember what else there was one more and then it was supposed to be wandavision let so, me so, so you just you saying that actually put brings me to a conclusion that i wonder if you guys agree with i would actually argue that 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 change in time frame means that WandaVision was never supposed to impact the universe that much. Exactly. I don't it's think it's malleable by a year and theoretically yeah. flipping it one side to the other of a series of movies. The other one might be Ant-Man. Does that sound right? Yes. Yeah. Then she was probably never going to like drop a bomb on the Marvel universe. Yeah. And I think it, it really rode on the fact that they weren't sure if they wanted to risk doing the house of M because it is, I mean, you're literally blowing up. The, the entire world that you created as of right now with phase one and phase two and you're just gonna the first series that you launch is gonna just blow it up right so right. i have a theory 
that you put in my head, I think, whether you meant to or not, I, I never thought about El Hasabam. I didn't realize one of my favorite stories ever is Messiah Complex, which is like what directly um, follows um, House of M, which is Cable rescuing Hope, bringing her to the past to fix House of M. But you said that this basically potentially sets up House of M. So I have two questions. One, let me say first, the first one. One, do you think that this that House of M is going to happen in some form? I think this was House of M in some form. Yeah. Okay, so I think this is what you're getting for House of M. I think this is the most you're going to get of it. So, so really well, just that just that she screws stuff up in reality and she doesn't kill mutants? Because my thought, the conclusion, the theory that I came to was, wouldn't it be easy to introduce mutants if you only had to introduce the very, very few that she didn't kill? And that's why we didn't know they were around. Hmm. But I don't know. That was just an idea. I mean, one thing Agatha said, she's just like, you have no idea what you did. And I thought at that point they were going to show, like, kind of like with the blip, right, in Endgame. Yeah. We're going to show everywhere, like, the 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 consequences of the, the gauntlet, right? But it doesn't. And so I think yeah. there's going to be just kind of, like, more or less Easter eggs throughout these series, kind of showing, tying these little strings back to, to WandaVision. Um huh going back to that kind of like that long game. And I think off of that, that's interesting too, is I think WandaVision suffers from another thing, which is the same thing that Age of Ultron struggled from, is it was Age of Ultron, no matter what storyline they were going to pick, it wasn't going to be as popular as Avengers 1 because it's coming off of that. And it's like WandaVision is coming off of Endgame. So it's like... Is it the first Marvel movie since Endgame? As far as I know, I don't think anything else. Well, you have like the epilogue, no. you know, far, but it, it's different because it's an epilogue. So it's not like a, it's not taking you anywhere. It's just wrapping up one last little tie with, with Spider-Man. That's super interesting. And it wasn't supposed to be. Yeah. Because of Black Widow. But well, if you, even if you, if you argue like what It's the first did. present time thing to come out. You know what I mean? Oh, right. And That's so, true too. Because Black Widow was in the past. I Yeah. That. And so it's funny. Like, yeah, well, you're going to have like the blip. Like we're expecting that kind of thing. It's like, well, why are we expecting the blip? Did we get a blip <laughs> in Iron Man or Captain America or Thor? It's like, no, we got it in Endgame after 10 years of a grind. So <laughs> like, I think all of us fans had this idea that it was just going to be so big. But it's like, well, if, if you look at it as a self-contained story, it sets everything up just as well as any other Marvel movie did. So I have an idea, guys. I have another theory. And what's his face from Rockstars is probably going to steal this. He's probably watching right now. Eric Voss. Eric Voss probably going to steal this. All right, I'm going to set you guys up to get you where I want you to go. Who's the one person we've really met post-Blip? Monica. Monica. Monica has superpowers. What if, and I'm just like on a mutant thing right now. Really, I'm really curious how they're going to bring it in. What if the Blip anyone who came back from the blip was now a mutant and had powers or not everyone, but like certain people. So the show, I hope this doesn't burst your bubble, but the show basically hints at the fact that Monica is different because her DNA. And I don't know if it's, they're going to tie this to Captain Marvel and her having some inner, more of an interaction than what we got from Captain Marvel when she was a little girl, but from her going through the, yeah. the, um, the hex so many times, it kind of enhanced what was already in her. So 
as I don't mutant. know if they'll be able to pull it off as in they, she was a mutant or if they're going to play it off as in, well, it's the radiation from Captain Marvel that was just increased because she went through the hex so many times. So she I think they're probably going to happen with anyone. Just by being near Captain Marvel, she got radiation that was then like stagnant over time. That's the idea, just from being friends with her, essentially. That's, that's kind of my guess is what they're going to go with. At some point, they're going to have to explore the mutant idea, though, because, like, you're talking about that. And the other thing is they say Wanda got her powers from the Mind Stone, but there was a reason why she must have been picked to be tested on. There's a reason. So I think you could could do both. I think you can have Monica getting it because the DNA was scrambled or whatever with the hex, and she can still be a mutant. That's how she survived. I mean, it's the same thing with, like, Logan and his claws. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, his his power, any, like, rookie to the comics, like, oh, his powers is the adamantium, like, no, he wasn't born with that. He just, his regeneration made it so it was possible. So there's a lot of things that could happen. We'll, we'll see, see what happens, I guess, from here on out. Well, yeah. I mean, you also have to wonder, like, I mean, I know that there's the logistics of like, oh, well, we didn't have the rights to all these characters for 40 years. Yeah, but you can't like say that. So you have to explain to the fans canonically why Charles Xavier and his little ragtag bunch of rascals didn't intervene at all. So it's going to be, it would literally, I think, be easier to say that all mutants were created in 2020 than to be like, yeah, no, they've been around forever. They just didn't give a crap about humanity. Like, I don't think that's going to fly either. So I think it's going to be resolved in Spider-Man with the multiverse. I think our expectations are really high for multiverse. Like, how much can they really do? They, they know, literally we'll can do anything. It's a multiverse. Yeah, that's the idea. No, but like, but like, how much can they actually stitch together in what's a good movie? Like, I know Tom, Tom Holland has no credibility in my mind because he spoils everything, but he came out and was like, this is the single most ambitious yeah. standalone superhero movie. And I'm like, bro, they're not even telling you what, what's happening in the next scene because I, you spoil everything. Look, I remember when there was first talks about Avengers movies and everyone saying you can't put multiple, multiple heroes <laughs> in a movie and it be successful because you're just not going to care about their, their, their story. And it's just like now, it's just like if there's not more than one superhero in a movie, you're just you're like, disappointed. <laughs> Boring. All right, let's wrap up here. Um, I know we've got other comics we're going to be talking about. So what from the DC side do you want to? I know we've got we're, next week is Legacy. What do you, you want to recommend a series for us on the DC side? So I guess the biggest thing I've ever, one of the things I would recommend, it's a couple months old now, but you need to read it. If you're going to look into understanding the way DC's headed, um, is death metal. So death metal is a story that came out from probably October to this. No, it would have been earlier. I think it came out in August, August through December. So since then that, that ended in December and then we got a two month break from any, like actual comics and it was future state which takes place five years or ten years in the future and then now we're starting up with the new it's not a reboot but the new kind of direction of dc um so to maybe back it up i think reading reading death metal is going to be a really good way to understand what's going on in the dc universe right now and how many issues are we talking there what's that just seven it's a mini series there's there's a bunch of tie-ins and stuff but if you read the seven issue mini series you'll you'll get it the art for it's amazing uh, and Scott Snyder takes it to a whole new, it's very different from a traditional comic that you're going to get. You get like Superman with long hair, like rocker hair, almost like a 90s style comic. Uh, you get Wonder Woman with blue hair and you get like a, almost like a nightmare Batman again from like Ben Affleck. You get that kind of like is this, older man. Is this where the, uh, 
McFarlane has a bunch of new action figures. Is this yep. where the Mohawk Wonder Woman is? Uh, she's she doesn't make an appearance in that, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's inspired by this. Okay, cool. So let's let's do that. We can probably let's talk next week about expectations for Winter Soldier. We've got another thing to talk about next Thursday too. Winter Soldier's not the only thing coming out next week, buddy. Is next week Snyder Cut? We got four right, hours guys, worth of footage we got to talk about. I gotta admit, I'm watching it. I'm not waiting to edit it. No, I'm just going to watch it. It's, it's, I'm watching all of it. I don't so. want to say it's just language. It's but. coming out next week. Next, It's weird. It's coming out on a Thursday. We'll talk expectations for Snyder Cut. And then catch up and on Jupiter's our Legacy, right? We're going to finish Jupiter's Legacy, talk expectations for the show, and uh, maybe we'll have a character spotlight. All right, guys. Anything else before we sign off? No, thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks. And for thank you. Really nice. I didn't do individual shout outs. Thanks to everyone who followed us this past week. I'll take a sec to put our plugs in there. Um, thank you guys for following us on Instagram. Uh, please go and follow us if you haven't already. We'll be doing all of our posts on there. We've got some really cool things going on um, with our character spotlights we're putting on there. We developed our own scale, uh, defining their powers, their arcana, just everything, speed. Um, so please go check us out at Comic Culture, and we are excited to have you guys. And I had two things. One, I wanted to say, is it frowned upon to make up sponsors? Because I think that could be really funny since no one's actually sponsoring us. Like, we'd be, like, sponsored by Barbasol this week and just, like, hold up a can of Barbasol and be, like, not actually, but, like... I'm drinking Coke Zero. Does that count? drinking Coke Zero. We'll right. just reach for the first object that's, like... <laughs> The first know, like Logitech. <laughs> <laughs> a food club water bottle. <laughs> awesome. And the other thing I wanted to say is I'm not saying that we're big time, but within five days yes. of creating the account, two of our Heck character yeah. spotlights were on Sky Fox and the Utopian from Jupiter's Legacy, who we didn't even talk about Sky Fox, who I don't know if you guys are far enough in the series. I think he's awesome. Really like him. And I'm Best glad that the prequel, so far, I think. Yeah, I'm glad that yeah. the prequel talks about it because you get a different perspective of him in the original series that comes later. That It wouldn't make sense without the backstory. But we did get some likes from Elena Camporis, who is actually playing Chloe Sampson in Jupiter's Legacy, who is the daughter of the Utopian and plays, let's put it this way, plays a much bigger role than you would expect going into the show. So she reached out, actually reached back out after I texted her, asked her some things about the character. We're going to do a spotlight. She responded with some awesome feedback that we're going to incorporate in our character spotlight. Super cool that she took the time. So thank you, Elena. And uh, we'll close with that. Thanks, guys. Thanks.